Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast, helping you be more successful at work and in your life. We profile topics and speakers that are influential in your world. Here are your hosts, Jen Nicholson and Blair Cook. Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. Today we have with us Jim Harris. Jim is a principal with Strategic Advantage, and he is one of North America's foremost management consultants, public speakers, authors, and thinkers on change and leadership. Jim speaks at more than 40 conferences every year on topics including innovation and creativity, customer relationship management, and creating learning organizations. In today's podcast, Jim talks to us about how the game has changed and how organizations need to revolutionize their business models to survive and thrive. Let's listen in. Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. Today, we are so excited to have Jim Harris with us. Jim. It's great to be here, Jennifer. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Jim is a principal with Strategic Advantage. And what does Strategic Advantage do? Well, we're a management consulting firm and focus on disruptive innovation because uh, many organizations, many companies are being blindsided. That's the title of uh, my book that focuses on disruptive innovation. So uh, it is something that's challenging and it's not just in the corporate sector, it's also in the not-for-profit, the charity sector, it's also for accountants. Right. So think about this, there are new programs like Zero and QBO, QuickBooks Online, that eliminate 60 to 80% of the bookkeeping function because these programs will suck in all the credit card statement uh, items and bank reconciliation items. So what- It's a uh, dream. Yeah, it's a dream. (laughs) It's a dream, but what are bookkeepers going to do? Exactly. And how's that going to change the accounting profession? It begins at a low level, at a consumer level, but it will move up. In fact- A number of studies have predicted that 50% of white-collar jobs will be automated in whole or part over the next, depending on the study, 5, 10, 20 years, depending on which study you look at. That's quick. Yes, this is due to machine learning, artificial intelligence, and cognitive uh, computing. So uh, redundant, we've seen the mechanization of blue-collar work with robotics. Absolutely. But that is now going to happen to white-collar work. So... Disruption is coming to every profession, to every job, to society as a whole. That's kind of scary. It is. So when we look at that and what the impact is on our businesses, how do we adjust? How do we be successful in that new world? Well, on a societal level, there are a number of things we can do. We can take a Scandinavian model and say, the work week is now 35 hours or 30 I like that hours. Model. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, shouldn't we have a higher standard of life? Yeah, that certainly um, isn't the way that a lot of us work in North America. Yeah. The workaholism is rampant. So that's one approach. There also can be an approach of a guaranteed annual income supplement or a negative income tax so that anybody who doesn't earn the minimum that you uh, get to write off on your CRA form, your tax form, uh, receives a top up to that amount from the government. Wow. Uh, When you actually look at poverty in Canada, more than a million children live in poverty. And uh, it's completely unacceptable. Typically, they are living in single parent families headed by a woman who has to then decide, do I spend time with my children 
or do I work in a job and put them in daycare and probably net out even less? So um, it, there are societal implications to this as well. Wow, yeah, so it's a, it's a much bigger picture. And as businesses, how do we adjust and maintain our relevance in this new world? How does the business model have to change? So that's, a, that's the right question. We need to continually be asking, how do we add more value for our customers? Or um, if you're a charity, how do we add more value to the people we serve? Um, an example I was just using today in the keynote here at the CPA conference for nonprofit and charitable executives is there are 324 cancer charities in Canada. That is an amazing stat. It's a stunning stat. Stunning, and, and each yeah. one has an executive director, and they have an accounting firm, and they have a bookkeeper, exactly. and they all have office space, and they all have computers. And if you were to look at what's called a shared service model, where there was just one executive director, let's call it Cancer Charity Canada, you could still have 324 flavors, like I like Baskin and Robbins too. You could still have 324 flavors of individual charities because cancer, there are many forms of cancer. It's not a yeah. single disease, in fact. No, they're quite different. Very, very different. But if, if I had, I don't, but if I were to have a son who died of a very rare form of cancer, I wouldn't want to donate to a generic cancer society right. like the Canadian Cancer Society. I'd want to donate to a very targeted charity that dealt that I could rest assured my donation was going to research for that narrow kind of cancer. So I, how do we have efficiency on the back end with one executive director and one accounting standards and um, cut the operational costs on the back end? and then increase the effectiveness. And how would we do that? Well, right now, when these grants go to research into cancer, they're all targeted at academic or hospitals, and they do not share their research. Because if I'm an academic at U of T, I want to get tenure, so I run my studies. I keep them secret until they're published. And in journals, this can take years. Uh, Blair just wrote a book. He knows it takes at least a year, but that's fast in the academic yeah, world. Yeah, I used to work in academia, and I, I know, I certainly understand that the processes are archaic and very ingrained, and it's difficult to change. So it means that this research doesn't get out into the wild, uh, wider world, that other researchers can't build upon that. It retards, it slows the entire process. In Canada, from time of conception of an idea, a new hypothesis about how cancer works, still there's actual practical application for someone with cancer is 17 years. That's incredible. It's unacceptable. We're pouring billions of dollars into this disease, fighting it, and the whole system is stacked against it, both from efficiency and effectiveness point of view. Everyone's worried about themselves. That's human nature. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the 324 cancer charities, 320 of those executive directors are going to lose their jobs. How do you get them on side with such a change? Well, you have to paint a, a vision of a, a better set of outcomes. Imagine in Canada, we said a couple things. One on the back end, there are going to be these shared services. So there's going to be web-enabled uh, accounting practices. We're going to you know, standardize across this. You can have different flavors at the front facing with the donors and the researchers. But now your job is how do we market better? 
How do we add more value? How do we reach more recipients of the uh, targeted treatments that will help in this narrow form of, of cancer? So you're How reutilizing we, those people in yes, more for higher value, higher value ways. purpose. Yeah. Yes. And then if the, let's say Canada Cancer or Cancer Canada said, we're not giving a single dollar to any researcher. There's billions of dollars flowing to cancer research. Not one dollar will go to any researcher that does not commit to publicly open source their findings immediately. And Canada would become the leading research place wow. globally for fighting cancer. So you change the whole model. We cha- change the whole model. And we've but this seen, requires significant leadership. Absolutely. And we've seen how that has happened in the business world, as we talked about this morning, Alibaba, Uber. Yes, and that's Airbnb. why Uber is a great example. Because what's happening right now, Uber is worth more than every taxi cab company in North America added together. Because they've reinvented their business model. They've reinvented the customer experience. They've reinvented the process of what it is. And just think, for your listeners, think to the experience you have with uh, an Uber ride versus the experience with a taxi. They're fundamentally different, completely different. But a taxi is a taxi is a taxi. It gets you from A to B. In that way, they're exactly the same. Yep. So it is in reinventing the business model, the processes, the customer experience that we add the most value. So what does someone who's working in an accounting firm or in a, in a big corporate environment, how do they change their business model? So let me just go back for a second to the, the example of Uber. What all the other cab companies are doing to respond is Diamond Taxi in Toronto is spending $100,000 or $200,000 on an app. Right. And Beck's Taxi is spending 200000 on an app. And so is Crown Taxi and Air Flight. And so, you know, they're all building their own app. But, you know, I don't want to download 17 apps in Toronto on my smartphone. And when I'm in Halifax visiting the Haligonians, you know, I, you know, we don't have Uber in Halifax, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Well, we, but whatever taxis you have. We do have the have, Casino Taxi app, though. Yeah. Okay. Casino's <laughs> busy developing its app. I don't want to download seven new apps in Halifax. And when I'm in Fredericton, other ones. And when I'm in Charlottetown, more. Exactly. So all of a sudden, you know, but I, I'd have, as a global traveler, 19,000 taxi apps just on my smartphone. Yeah, that's and that's crazy. not the purpose of my smartphone. So what... Taxi executives don't understand is that the rules of the game have changed. Now they need to be working with each other. And what I would download a single app that is global taxi app that does everything Uber or Lyft does. Same experience, transacts in any currency, gives me an electronic receding experience. I can, using GPS, see the vehicle come Boom, I, I download that. And the advantage for taxi companies, it would be one nineteen thousandth of the development cost of what they're spending to each, each build their own app, which I'll never download. Right. So really the idea is that the world is global. Industries have to work together to figure out how they can work as one to share the costs, change their models. And the rules of the game have changed, but executives don't realize it. So they're working in old models not aware that other taxi cab companies are not their competitors. 
Uber is their competitor. And they have to now do what I call coopetition. They now have to cooperate with what they formerly perceived as their competitors. So here in Toronto, if you get a daily newspaper, whether it's the Star, the Globe, or the National Post, it's all delivered by the same paper boy. Although they're not paper boys anymore. They have vans. That's <laughs> yeah, They're paper mans with vans. So <laughs> That's um, kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the Globe and Mail did not say the way we throw the newspaper against your door is our competitive advantage. And who right, throws absolutely. it? That's, that's not why you subscribe to the Globe. So we're going to have a shared service model with our competitors to lower costs of the delivery network. Now, what happens is organizations only do that when their back is against their wall and their revenue is being crushed. That's when they change. So I'm saying, why not pretend you're in that situation and go out and say what is strategic and what is not about our business? And for 324 cancer charities in Canada, the back end, you know, the accounting, the admin, the, you know, what can we have a shared service model with? And the people I interviewed feel that between three and 25%, depending on the region, the, you know, the focus of that cancer charity could be uh, eliminated. So that's about the efficiency. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So what would be three pieces of advice you would give our listeners to help them become more innovative and drive this kind of change? So one, you have to uh, read widely, think widely. Um, I loved your quote from Albert Einstein. Yes. Yes, it was. uh, Could you share that with our It was fun. So Einstein said if he had a life-threatening problem or a critical problem and only 60 minutes to solve it, he'd spend 55 minutes thinking about how he's thinking. He'd spend 55 minutes perceiving his perception. Is it accurate? Am I solving for a symptom or a root cause? And after 55 minutes of just working mentally on the problem and how he saw it, he'd spend five minutes solving it. An incredible different way of looking at the world. So don't rush into the solution. Are we solving for the right problem? So for instance, TED Talks are a great way going to TED, although it costs $11,000 to go to TED. Well, we love, we just like to go online. Go online and it's free. In Toronto, there's a conference that's the equivalent called Idea City. I go every year for three days, 50 speakers, 17 minutes each. We really need to think outside our industry. So an example, a shopping mall developer hired me along with 29 other global experts 75% of us had no experience in construction or shopping mall development or FNB, what they call food and beverage. So 25% did. So don't consult the usual cast of characters only. So what part of this is about broadening our horizons, seeing in new ways. So uh, uh, I'll give you an example. Southwest Airlines is the most efficient airline in the U.S. Their turnaround time is 20 minutes. That's incredible. It is. The turnaround time for the industry is 60 minutes. So if they were to benchmark against the industry, they'd learn how to be three times worse than they are. (laughs) So they can't benchmark. No. So who do they benchmark against? 
they went to NASCAR pit crews. Oh, wow. Because you're going to get entirely new insights because they're not in your industry. So part of this is if you want to avoid being blindsided, if you want to understand disruptive innovation, you can't think in a narrow industry perspective. You need to broaden the way you see the world, the way you see the customer, the way you see the market. That's incredible. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Well, it's been a pleasure being here. Thank you for listening to the CPA Success Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Visit www.cpacanada forward slash podcast 